In this episode, Charles and Leslie discuss the new guidelines coming from the CDC and Give Me Three Feet, the new three-foot rule. Enjoy. Friday, man, and it's five o'clock somewhere. It is indeed. Let me just hit the family up to come on in and join the conversation. So you've been traveling for spring break. How's it been? You know what, man? It's been an experience and adventure. We we went on a fourteen day. Um, journey and got a chance to see you after what 16 months or so that's right and we got a chance to do the show uh together last week uh, that was interesting um got a chance to see my parents who i hadn't seen in quite in about the same amount of time so it was good uh what i will say to you is um which hits the title of the show today you don't have to wear you don't have to but you should wear your mask one of the things I noticed as I travel is that I saw a lot of people who were still doing the right thing. They were wearing their mask. And I want to give shots out to that. Uh, black, white, green. I mean, everybody. There were a lot of people that were wearing a mask. But there were some. There were some that were not only not wearing their mask, but they were defiantly not wearing their mask. I mean, they went out of their way um, to, to make a point that they were not wearing their mask. And then there were some that just didn't have on a mask. And so I think um, what I saw over, overall was even in states where Texas is one, Mississippi is one, where the restrictions have been rolled back, a lot of people did not roll back their restrictions. They're still doing the right thing to take care of, not only themselves, but the neighbors. So overall, man, I was, I was pleasantly surprised with what I saw, but then there were, I did see what I expected to see as well. Yeah, we still have some work to do. You've got you've got those deniers and those that are defiant, which are causing the numbers to go up slightly. Uh, right. But there are a lot of us out there who want to stay safe and want to be, you know, good for others around us. So um, it's a mixed bag. But the good news is we're making progress. Today marks 100 million shots in 100 arms uh, in 100 days. Excuse me. Yeah, 100 million shots and 100 million arms in 100 days. And so that's always that's always a positive. I think, uh, you know, as we get further into it, you know, the numbers will start to go down just a little bit because you have some vaccine hesitancy. And, uh, you know, we hate that, but we want everybody to get a chance to get it so we all can get out of lockdown. Yeah, absolutely. And I get it. I get it. You know, it's, I mean, look, I, if anybody wants to be out of lockdown, it's me. I certainly want to be out of lockdown. I mean, look, I'm, I'm having all kind of issues with my lighting today. Mm-hmm. But um, keep going. We're not going to let it detract us today from getting it done. But I want to be out of lockdown, but I also want to be safe. And I want to keep the people around me safe. Yeah. So I just have to prioritize what's most important. That's right. I mean, I think with time and more vaccinations, it gets a little bit better, a little bit better. Hi, Gabriel. Yeah, you know, so overall, Charles, I mean, you know, I think coming back as we, and we, you know, we just got back today, but coming back as we entered into Texas, um, I saw more people not wearing their masks um, in the great state of Texas. Uh, which kind of concerned me, uh, and 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 really kind of gathering and kind of really resuming pre-pandemic activities and kind of pre-pandemic behavior. So not so much even pre-pandemic activities bother me if you're taking safety precautions, but I mean pre-pandemic behavior where there wasn't there wasn't even a thought about safety precautions. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we just have to. We have to keep going, but we have to keep going with knowing that, hopefully, each month here on out, it will get a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better, and with that then we can start to approach normalcy. I see the CDC just came out with new guidelines that kind of lines up with some other stuff that was put out by the pediatric society, uh, decreasing uh, classroom space from six to three feet. So that's that's a positive. Everything is is incrementally moving in the right direction. But we have to to remain vigilant. Well, absolutely. And that was the subtitle today, Give Me Three, right? Because the CDC's revision of the guidelines, particularly for schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and, and, I, and that's refreshing. So when we move in from six feet to three feet, when we look at where we are on vaccinations, and then the news came out that earlier this week that uh, very soon in, 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 in another week or so, the U.S. will have more than enough vaccines for everybody. Um, so there won't even be a you know waiting list pretty much that's going to go away. So get your vaccine. Um, you know you've done it. Uh, I'm in the process. I, I've done it, um, and I think it's important that we do what we need to do there. And I think in, in Texas um, they are, and in Mississippi as well. I know they're down to taking the Pfizer vaccine is approved uh, all the way down to age 16. That's right. That's right. So good stuff. Promising news there. Yeah. Yeah. Charles, you know, it's also Friday. Yeah. In the spring. And normally on Fridays in the spring, we wouldn't be talking about football. We may be talking about spring practice. We may be talking about recruiting. But we wouldn't necessarily be talking about game day activity and spring football. But we are this year, which is another newness of the pandemic and the new reality it's brought us. But I've been pleasantly surprised uh, so far at the steps um, the SWAC conference is taking and, and, and their handling so far of navigating through the season through the pandemic. It's been really good. I think it's been a good showcase for HBCU football, um, you know, to have it played in the spring. Uh, considering we had no football in the fall, people are hungry for football. And this is a chance for people to see what we've known for a very long time because we were exposed to it as kids. Uh, The HBCU game day experience is like no other. Yes, there's the SEC and the Power Five conferences, but HBCU football is something that's on a whole different atmosphere, a whole different level, um, has its own traditions. And so this is a chance for the country, the world, quite frankly, to get just a small dose of, of what we know and love. I agree. I mean, it, it, it is indeed, man, what is going on? See, this is what happened when I'm coming back to Texas, but all kind of yeah. crazy stuff is happening to me today. <laughs> and then, you know, the thing I was thinking about on that is it's not the full game day experience. This is just a, this is just an appetizer. Well, clarify that, Charles. So when, for those of you that may be unfamiliar with um, HBCU football, swag football, when you say it's not the normal game day experience, aside from the fans, what do you mean? What are you referencing? Well, I mean, the tailgate experience. The battles of the bands, uh, the fashion show in the stands. Oh no! Wait a minute. Hold on. Now I know I have a lot of counterparts that would not understand what you mean when you say fashion show in the stands. So you're definitely going to have to clarify that. Well, a big part of HBCU lifestyle is is looking sharp and being clean and letting everybody know that you know you're clean. <laughs> uh, so, you know. In the fall, it should be extremely hype with everybody putting on their, their finest pieces of fashion wear uh, to show off uh, a welcome back to normalcy. And the crowds should be extremely large. Um, you know, tailgate experience should be on point. 
it's gonna be it's gonna be a great time. I think you're absolutely right about that. I think it's gonna be an amazing time. I'm excited for it. But you know, even while we wait on the fall, man, I gotta say I'm enjoying the spring. Oh yeah, the and the and the, and the football uh, product has been on point uh, this spring. So people get a chance to see we play quality football too. We just needed a chance for exposure. That's true. That's true. And you know, shout out to um, all the players, all the schools, um, all the you know, all the schools that are participating in the spring season. And I know there's a lot of extra work and steps you got to go through. So shout out to all the administrators, all the support staff, everybody that does all the stuff that people never see to make sure that the games happen. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely want to give some love to all of those individuals. Now, you know, speaking of that, Friday, that means Fridays this year, and sometimes Saturday has taken a different meaning for us. Uh, as you know, we're, we're sports heads, so we're football heads and basketball and baseball, so we, we just like sports. But do you realize I was just thinking how pivotal the moment was? It's, usually I would take for granted watching you know, watching Jackson State football with you, uh, the other fellas, you know, Tony and Sean and the fellas, but because it's something we just do. We don't really think about it, just something we traditionally just do. But as I said and um, enjoyed the game with you last week, I realized, man, this this was taken away. <laughs> yes. You know, this, this, you this it. it makes you appreciate it that much more. Yeah. It, it, made, it definitely made you realize it's a privilege. It's, it's not it's not something that that you that has to be given to you. So certainly appreciate it more and more. Now I do want to bring up an issue that's kind of been a hot topic on in Jackson State fan world, uh, and then I know we'll circle back to some of the other trending news of the day because I do want to get your feedback on some of the things that's happening nationally. But as we before we leave football, uh, I want to talk about the other trending news in reference to Alabama states and their COVID-19 policy and the issue or the challenge with the visiting team having been able to get tickets to the game. So this has been an interesting one. So we've had a lot of teams, a lot of ones we played. I've never seen this policy or policy quite like this before. I'm, I'm no, sure but they didn't, they didn't, to, to their credit, uh, they did not put that in place just for Jackson State. They put, that oh, in place. they put it in place for COVID-19. Yeah, as a capacity, uh, a way to control capacity. And so there's a way There's a way to watch the game in person. You just have to buy by their rule and buy a season ticket. So was I wrong? Because my understanding was that they had sold out. There were no t season tickets to buy. No, they, that was single game tickets. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you, you, could buy, you, could buy, you could buy the pack. But the pack is like $65, 75 something like that. Which is reasonable. I mean, it's not, that's not, I mean, I mean, I, you know, it, it might be three times the amount of typical, but I mean, still not, it's not $200. Yeah. It gives them a chance to generate revenue and uh, follow their COVID uh, spacing policies. Well, thanks for clearing that up. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I know we'll probably have quite a few people then with that headed down to Montgomery. They're probably already on on their way. They're already gone. <laughs> They're already gone. <laughs> down to Montgomery. So uh, we'll be watching on TV and, and cheering them on tomorrow. Yeah, on national TV now. On national TV. That That's right. On national TV, on ESPN2. Right. What's that? Three, game time, 3 o'clock p.m.? Yes. Okay. So if you don't know, check with your cable provider um, and, and look it up on ESPN. If you're streaming it, just download the ESPN app and it'll be there. Three o'clock. Um, check the Tigers out tomorrow against Alabama State Hornets. Um, all right, Charles, let's switch to national news. So what's that you like going on? Um, well, before we before we leave sports now, you know, I'm a basketball guy. I did. I did. You got to give a shout out to Texas Southern University and Norfolk State uh, from the from the MEAC. They both won their first round NCAA tournament games yesterday. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I missed that one. I missed that, and I don't usually miss that. So, yeah, let's highlight that. So, who did Texas Southern beat? And who I don't know all the details. I just know that they both won. Wow. That's, that's not usual. 
Because I'm sure they drew a high seed. Yeah, they both were in playing games. First round NCAA tournament games. Texas Southern was down by 12, I believe, and they came back and won. Um, and Norfolk won as well. First time the Swack and Miak won in the NCAA tournament on the same day. Wow. They, uh, wow. Well, good deal. Good deal. Shouts out. And then also, we want to salute the, the lone representative for Mississippi in the girls' NCAA tournament, the Jackson State Lady Tigers. Yes. They will be uh, playing the number 15, the number two seed, Baylor, Baylor Bears, um, on Sunday, I believe, at noon. Yes. Should be a good game. So that's some great representation from the conference as a whole, even from the MEAC, um, when you look at it. So, wow, that's um, – so I think that the ladies get an automatic bid and then the the men have a play-in game. Is that how that works now? Yes. Okay. Good deal. All right. All right, let's switch to national news because I know on this Friday I can tell the audience is – Everybody's thinking football, football, but let's switch to some national news trials. I'm turning it over to you. Quite a bit happening. Um, I did want to bring your attention to what I said I was afraid of last week. As soon as that mass mandate was lifted, we have already seen several cases of patrons getting violent with employees when they asked them to wear the mask. Unfortunately, unfortunately, yes, but you put you put those restaurant uh, staff in harm's way. No doubt about it. I mean, it's, un- it's unfair to them trying to do you know trying to work and take care of their families. You put them in in an, at odds with people who may not who may not feel the same way. Well, I, I mean, I would. I, I wish I would have had the opportunity to say, "Hey, I was surprised that it did not happen," um, but it did, which is what I was afraid of. Because once you take out, because you, because by the governors doing that, they essentially took the law enforcement out of it, and they put the whole entire burden on the small business owner or the business owner to now enforce their own internal policy of the mass mandate and that's one thing to 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 not want to wear a mask but to get violent and attack a hourly employee because they ask you to wear the mask or or mask or attack a manager because they ask you to wear the mask i i I don't know i don't know about that one because it's no different than a refund policy that we all have to abide by it's no different than another store policy, a business policy that we have to abide by. But for whatever reason, with the mask, it provokes people to be violent. And I just don't think there's any room for violence when we're trying to save lives. Well, you know, unfortunately, again, the facts and information uh, are not lining up with the real facts and information that's being disseminated. Yep. So, so when you say that on line up, what what is something that just hits you that you see out of alignment right off from first glance? Well, right now, I mean, you know, it goes with the wind. Um, so, we, so you think, but it's actually a lot more coordinated because you had an intelligence briefing that said Russia was at the forefront of providing misinformation to. Uh, Republican news outlets uh, via Republican uh, lawmakers, um, the sensational stories that were completely bogus, but they are alternate facts, so to speak. Uh, one, one, one example of that that comes to mind this week is vaccine deniers, you know, uh, you know, people pushing pseudoscience and other things that saying it's not okay to take the uh vaccine you know or you shouldn't take it because of a b or c 
Let's go to some of the questions we got that have come in, Charles. Let's see. First up, we got Mr. Reginald Bird. Take that one for me. Hello, folks. Um, I saw today with Mississippi has a new South African COVID variant. How? Uh, transmission, community spread. Uh, that's how, you know, um, doesn't mean that somebody from here went to South Africa. It just means you came into contact with someone who uh, had that variant. Uh, it's spreading across the country. And it was in the neighboring state of Georgia and South Carolina. So I, from that standpoint, I, it wouldn't be a stretch to see that somebody was working somewhere and they, you know, were infected with that variant and it's highly transmissible. So there you go. It, it begins to spread really fast. Yeah. And I looked it up and it was uh, detected in an individual in Harrison County. Harrison County. Which, you know, is even more um, important that you get vaccinated. You know, I know the, the new Johnson & Johnson vaccine that just, just announced was tested uh, against a variant. There's a new, no, uh, I think it's Novit, um, a Novad that makes the, the, the latest one that may be applying for emergency uh, use uh, that was tested specifically against the UK variant and the South African variant. Both had a hundred percent efficacy against severe illness, um, or basically where you would get sick or hospitalized. And then forty, I think forty-nine to fifty percent efficacy against you even catching it or, or the, um, the South African virus. And I think sixty-nine or so against the UK. So. I mean, more even more reason to get vaccinated. I mean, just, just here's what I know: if you don't get vaccinated, <laughs> you got zero. You got zero percent efficacy against it. And then if you don't get vaccinated, you don't wear your mask. Well, you well and from from a strategic from a strategic standpoint, it makes sense to rush to get as many uh, vaccine and, and vaccines in arms as possible because the fact that there are variants. Is nothing new in the life cycle of a virus. Uh, for instance, with the flu, they change up the uh, flu shot every year to kind of account for some of the strongest variants because they they change over time. They mutate. So, uh, you know, you have to keep that you have to keep that in mind. Well, we got another comment in reference to folks that have been going out um, that can tell us a little bit of what they've seen. Let's bring Monique up here. Monique says she went to the nail shop Monday and women and a woman came in with no mask at first, but did put it on. She sat through a pedicure and half a manicure with it on. Then she decided she didn't want it on. When the owner asked her to put it back on because I was still I was um, I was in there still, she acted a plum donkey and threw her stuff and slung items around before walking out the shop. Yeah, that that goes into Monique, the group that I was talking about where I say they are defiantly not wearing a mask. I mean, they are, it's beyond, I, I forgot to wear a mask, I'm just not gonna wear a mask for convenience, but they're, they're, they're taking some defiant actions that basically specifically tells me, you know what you're doing and you know why you're doing it. So you, you're trying to prove a point. What say you, Charles? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, people are seeking attention at the expense of others because, uh, uh, you know, they could be a asymptomatic. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and I think, you know, I think to that point, you know, asymptomatic folks are the dangerous ones because they're spreading it because they don't even know that they have it, they don't because they don't have any symptoms. Right, and so that's you combine why, that with ignorance. You can you combine that with ignorance, and uh, <laughs> it's, it's uh, not good. No, no, it's not. Um, you, if you combine it with ignorance, it's it's. It's almost like a Molotov cocktail. Right, right. I mean, it's pretty much a bomb. I mean, it's just. And I think 
You know, the reality here when I think about it is that if you look, we're making great progress. If we just hold on a little bit longer, um, we can get there. But I think if the majority of us continue to be diligent for a while longer, we can make the traction we need to make a significant enough uh, impact that we can we can pre we can pre um, prevail and create a pretty solid defense against this virus, not only today, but long term. I believe that. And, then, you know, but you have to have those who are willing. You always have those in society who are unwilling. Um, so that means we have to do a little bit more. Uh, but I've never quite seen it this bad where, where politics and science are not even close to being on the same page. So uh, hopefully we will find we'll find a, a, a somewhat of a center and and uh, that way we can you know, find our way away from these divisions. I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. And I hope we can do it quickly, sooner, better than later. I really do. Hey, mom. Mom is in the house. So what else is on your mind, Charles? You got the great professor. You got a lot going on this week. So um, I've taken a few days off this week and, and, and kind of, well, I'm a work in progress. I've tried to take a few days off this week, haven't done as well as I wanted to, but, 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 but I'm working to, to be like most Americans is try to have more balance. One of the things I found that in the pandemic, you know, you can very quickly get out of balance, um, one way or another, uh, just because the days seem to never end and, and you know, it's, it, I'll tell you this, the pandemic has not created any shortage of things to do. At least. Oh, no, it's just, it's just, it's just changed the way you approach things, but yeah. there's still, for those who like to work, there'll still be avenues to work. For those who like leisure, you may change up what that leisure is, but there will still be leisure. Um, we've all made those adjustments along the way. But uh, one thing I can say is you still have to find you still have to find balance um, in your family life and work life. Um, you need that. You need that tremendously so that you're healthy. Uh, mental health. I mean, you can guess the mental health field uh, is, uh, you know, they're inundated because people are having it's been a long time. And people have made adjustments. Um, you know, I've, I've heard it two times this week that people have made adjustments on the mental health side, but not getting the treatment that they need. Uh, and then also in just the general health uh, arena, people skipping doctor's appointments and other things due to COVID have put themselves in jeopardy. So you have to maintain and make sure you're doing the things that you need to do so that you're 100% healthy. If you haven't, one of the things that I would recommend on a different topic is to listen to uh, Senator Raphael Warnock, the good reverend from Georgia, his maiden speech. For those of you who don't know what a maiden speech is, each new senator is allotted time to, to address the United States Senate in, in their first speak uh, speech to the body. His was this week. And it was quite extraordinary, quite exquisite. Most of the time, when you have maiden, when you have maiden speeches, there are a few in attendance. Um, and in COVID, you could imagine it's probably less. Uh, but he was greeted with the thunderous applause that lasted for quite some time. And if you're familiar with the United States Senate, it's not a clapping happy place. Not not that often. <laughs> That's <laughs> House of Representatives. Uh, but he was met with thunderous applause and it lasted for quite some time. And oh boy, we got ourselves one in the good Reverend Dr. Uh, Raphael Warnock because he was speaking to the need for federal voter rights uh, legislation to be passed, uh, especially 
the John Lewis voter right bill uh, because right. because you have so many states and state legislatures that are enacting or trying to enact uh, legislation that will you know be, you know restrict voting rights across the country and most of it's based off of a big lie that there were anomalies to the vote meaning that somebody did something fraudulent to cause the outcome that's already been disproven one of the safest and securest elections in history but they're using that to go in and restrict voting rights and so his speech focused on that he is the sponsor of it um of the of the bill that will be coming a little bit later and so it was his chance to speak on it and like he said our vote is a prayer a prayer for democracy and so that's always extremely important it is it is and i think um you know it almost it almost made you if you close your eyes for a second while he was speaking um it sent you to a place it, it really did um I mean, I knew he could speak, but 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 I didn't I didn't know he was gonna bring it like that. Yeah, I mean, it was something that was needed. Not only not only was it needed because of the message, it was needed because of the messenger. Uh, you know, he is he is a representative, former pastor of John Lewis, and he is uh, you know in charge of the pulpit of Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> Quite a legacy to come behind. Yeah, so he's got big, he's got big shoes and, and big tailwinds. So the answer he was standing on the shoulder of two giants uh, to give that speech, and uh, he did an excellent job with it. You know, I think at the end of the day, um, the reality is, John Lewis said it best. You, you know, we we can never not be willing or never get tired of getting into some good trouble. It's necessary. The minute we stop getting in good trouble, we stop moving the needle. We it's stop necessary. getting the impact. Well, and, and part of that good trouble is the hope that comes with it, the hope for a better America um, in order to perfect a more perfect union. That's what it's about, right? Never forget the reason why we're why, why you're getting in good trouble. That's right. Because That's the, opposite of that, the opposite of that is the the symptoms and the and the the virus of hate and racism that we see playing out in Atlanta right now, um, when you have you know eight people killed, six Asian women uh, killed in one shooting spree, and you know you have questionable statements made by the the spokesperson for for Cherokee County uh, saying that he was having a bad day. Well, what about the people that were killed? You know. You know, this is where that hateful rhetoric from our previous president um, has filtered down and created negative opportunities for people to do wrong. Um, and so I don't want to highlight it any more than we have to, other than say our condolences and prayers go out to the whole Atlanta and Georgia region and to the, and to the country at large, because there is no room for hate of any kind. And so, you know, black hate one day, now it's Asian hate another. Yeah, absolutely right. And there's just no room for it. So talk about um, President Biden, as we call again for even more, along with uh, Senator Warner, uh, the reason uh, for passage of the hate uh, act, uh, the bill for against hate crimes. Talk, can you talk a little bit about that? I'm not familiar with what you're talking about, so I will refrain. I'm, I'm familiar with the need for the HR1 and SR1 that are being brought to the floor, but I'm not familiar with the hate crimes legislation. There's already hate crimes legislation in place. <laughs> Looks like we may be having a small technical issue, um, but I will stick to the topics that I, that I have observed. I'm not familiar with uh discussions of new hate crimes legislation 
but I know HR1 and SR1 are attempts for federal legislation to address um, expanding voter rights, voter opportunities, and protect uh, citizens from repressive uh, restriction, voter suppression type tactics that are being used all across the country. I think it's 250 plus bills that have been introduced in state legislatures. One thing that I'm watching, um, switching topics just slightly, still politics, but one thing that I'm watching is Joe Biden as president and his love affair with Amtrak. I want to see how much progress can be made on advancing the infrastructure throughout Europe and especially throughout Asia. There are high speed trains that connect parts of the country. Um, much, much better, much more efficiently. Uh, from a climate change standpoint, it's, it's good. Uh, and now that we have Amtrak Joe in place, I'm very interested and will be watching closely to see if we make any progress on our infrastructure. Because even though America is a great place, when it comes to the development of infrastructure in the last 40 or 50 years, we've fallen behind tremendously um, as far as our airports, roads, bridges, train stations, trains, uh, not being up to par with the rest of the, of the world because they are making advancements. Uh, 200 mile per hour trains that connect pieces, uh, remote places to big cities and a fraction of the time it would take to drive. And so I know that there is uh, a fight brewing, a fight brewing in, in California right now because they're trying to connect uh, Los Angeles and San Francisco with a train that will do it in two two hours and some change, whereas the drive with traffic will take you around six hours. So, um, you know, there are those who say that money can be spent better on roads and bridges and water. And here in Jackson, Mississippi, we can't argue with that water argument, but I say you need all of it because not enough attention has been paid to the infrastructure in this country in the last 40 years. And it's starting to show signs of tremendous strain, wear and tear. Uh, I know Mississippi is, is, is right now working on expanding broadband. That's, that's to be applauded. But we need more of that because that creates jobs and opportunities and it modernizes the country. And who can say that we don't need a modern touch? We need that. Uh, so I'll be interested in what Amtrak Joe has up his sleeves because I think the first hearings on uh, infrastructure will begin this coming week. Let's see, what else is going on? Hmm, Kirk Franklin. I think he got into a little bit of trouble uh, on a recorded line with his son. So... You know, I think uh, we should extend grace to everyone. Dr. Claude Anderson is talking about fast track chains uh, and black people buying land near the tracks. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think you know that's an opportunity for us to to buy back better as a community because. If you look at the hist historical context of the of the interstate system, if you look at the interstates and the footprints of the interstates, um, when they were built, they cut right through a lot of the black neighborhoods. And so if we could find a way to reclaim and make some money off of uh, high-speed rail coming through, that would be great to try to make up for what was done with the interstates. Uh, because a lot of those pilings and, and cushions and stuff that, that support the concrete that, that ends up making up the highway was dropped right in the middle of black neighborhoods, disrupting everything. Commerce, uh, togetherness, our buying power, land use, land on, ownership, all of that. So for those who are not familiar, um, there's a story to be found about our, our history in the interstate system and how you know, that was another form of 
of oppression and economic disparity. Uh, so let's try to do it better this time. Leslie, do we have any questions? Um, I will go to them, and I have lost video, but you should be able to hear me, Charles. Yeah, I can hear you just fine. All right. Um, let's see. No questions, just a couple check-ins. Uh, Sarita's in the house, and um, you got the question about Dr. Claude Anderson. Yeah, I was just addressing that. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see where this infrastructure discussion goes. I think... Uh, I'm looking forward to it because I think Joe Biden is someone who understands uh, the need for infrastructure. He's been a train rider for almost 30 plus years between uh, Wilmington, Delaware and Washington, D.C. Um, so he understands intimately what type of jobs it creates, what type of convenience it provides and the service that 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 you can get out of having a functioning train system. Um, I know one of the plans that's on the table is a bullet train between Boston and New York City. Um, that that would that would make having having had to take that ride that would take that would be sorely sorely needed, and it would be used on a daily basis. It would be a revenue generator, job generator, and it'd just be good for the country to have that type of efficiency because Japan, China. Other Asian countries are cranking out those uh, bullet trains, and they're very proud of. Charles, we have another question from uh, Antonio. Uh, nothing has been said other than what Chuck Schumer, who is the majority leader, said that they were, that, that they were going to try and get uh, student loan forgiveness worked on this year. Uh, but I think with the COVID package needing to get pushed through and now the voting rights uh, package needing to get pushed through. It may be something that's pushed back just a little bit. I think the thresholds that they were talking about that they could safely do would be something in the forty dollars to $50,000 range per individual. Anything above that is probably going to be a big fight. I think that's Good input on that. I think a lot of people are waiting to hear about that one. Now, you know, I remember on um, the interview that President Biden did, uh, I think even when he was president elect Biden with the, I don't know if it was 2020 or it was one of the, the major, maybe it was Anderson Cooper, maybe. But he got asked that question. I think he was when he did the town hall in Milwaukee and he got asked that question about student loans and he, he answered, and I think people, he had to go on to clarify, he said he would not go after student loan forgiveness at amount of $50,000 or higher. And he said the reason why he wasn't, because he didn't think he had the power to do that alone as a president, that would take Congress approval. That's right. Um, and so it wasn't that he was saying that he was against it. He was just saying, I don't have that power. He said the most he could do is about $10,000 of forgiveness. All right. Without going through Congress. So I just wanted to clear that up because I know that even I had to kind of do the research on that to dig into that because I was a little confused by that as well. Uh, so hopefully that clears that up. Yeah, and I think what he's trying to say is he wants to do something that's that that he can do swiftly. If you notice, if one of the one of the MOs or modus operandi for his presidency is swift, bold action. Yeah, and I apologize, guys, for the uh, the video issues that we're having today, but we're still here. Not going to let it stop us. Great conversation going. So keep the questions going. I can hear and I can see your questions. We'll put them in the chat. We will get those in front of Charles, and we will answer those questions. So I think, look, it's a whole lot of people waiting on that student loan forgiveness and that, you know, and I, I, it would be nice for Congress to get together and do something real nice with American people. Um, here's where I've said on that. Now you, you might have a different opinion. We haven't talked about this, but I think there should be substantial student loan forgiveness given to students that actually graduate that completed their degree program. I, I, I think, um, I think that should 
that that that's just where I am on it. I think if you can what's, what's the rationale? What's the rationale for making the distinction between student loans for people who graduated and student loans for people who didn't? So my distinction on that is simply this. So if you go to school and the whole task is to finish school. I'm not saying they shouldn't get some level of forgiveness, but it shouldn't be at the level of people that actually completed the degree. Because if you completed your degree, you probably got more loan amounts or larger loan amounts than someone that didn't because they didn't go to school as long. But I think also you want to incentive, you want to incentivize completion. You, you, you want to incentivize the goal. The goal when you enter college is not, not to not finish. The goal is to finish. That's what you want to incentivize, the result that you want to achieve. So that's my rationale. Okay. I think that's, I think that's fair. My only concern about that is what about the people? I mean, because then you start picking winners and losers. And what about those people who, because of the burden and expenses, are uh, beyond student loans? couldn't finish. Um, well, and that's why I said, I didn't say exclude them. I just said that, I said the higher limits of student loan availability should be given to the people that completed. There still should be some student loan forgiveness given to everybody, but I think a higher threshold should be given to people that completed. That's all. How about this? In this political climate where it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tall, order to get any type of cooperation, which you're probably not going to get any cooperation at all from the Republicans. Let's take what we can get. Look, Joanna had a great, great points. And and she said some people might not have finished because of health reasons. Now, I'm going to stand by my point and say this. And that's true. That's true, uh, Joanna, true statement. Um, But in, in a world where the goal of college is to finish, you get student loans. It's just a results world. Did you finish? Did you did? Now I'm not saying you don't get student loan forgiveness. I'm just saying the threshold, if they're going to say we're going to give these limits and they're not going to do a blanket policy and say everybody get a certain amount, then I think you have to have the larger thresholds for people that completed. And the logic of that is if you went all four years, your student loans for two years should be less than should be. Now I know there's some some extenuating circumstances, but should be less than somebody that went one year or somebody that went two years. And again, I would say that's being too cute by half. Let's let's see if we can't get student loan forgiveness. You getting off into the weeds of who should and who shouldn't. There's no need to pick winners and losers. There are a lot of people who went for um undergraduate or graduate degrees or whatever the case may be and uh let's let's just get the student loan forgiveness in place okay so you so you you would be one that would follow that philosophy that everybody gets a trophy right no n- not at all but okay. what i'm saying is it's politics when you start that's what they want you to do they want you to separate yourself from someone else because then that creates a reason or condition for not doing it. The goal is to get people relief and to give people a chance to get ahead. And and face it, the people who have student loans, they're probably in lower economic categories. So why would you want to penalize them because they did or did not finish? They made the attempt. Let's get the student loan money out there. Great that you graduated. But some people didn't have that luxury. So why even why even go down that rabbit hole? Because then that provides the opposition with the C. I told you they can't they can't agree on anything. So all right. Now I love to stir it up. See, I knew I would get you guys going in the chat. I know how to stir you guys up. And I <laughs> I have succeeded. So let me go to some of these comments. Charles, you're winning. Nobody wants to take my side with me. Uh Everybody leave me hanging out. But here's uh, what Bird said. <clears throat> All right. And then. Yeah, so, guys, I, I'm, listen, I, I have. I agree with all three of those statements, Liz, for, for various reasons. Like Sarita said, everybody could use a break. That's I'm not true. saying everybody can't use a break, but should everybody have the same break? 
Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Yes. That's, that's my argument. Should everybody yes. have the same break? Are yes. All breaks equal. Yes, all breaks are equal, and here's why. Because what you what you're doing is you're taking on an elitist mentality to say, "I got mine. What about you?" No, I don't think it's elitist. Well, it I'm is. Not saying that at all. It is. it is from this standpoint. Okay. You don't know. You don't know the facts and circumstances of how or why a person did or did not graduate. They made the attempt, but what we're talking about is relief. We're not talking about the degree. That has nothing to do with. That creates a that creates a false narrative and an extra hurdle. For somebody to have to clear if you have student loans and they're giving forgiveness give it to everybody equally all right but if we look at history they've never done it that way they've always they've always given it based on certain criteria so nobody has nobody has given our student loan forgiveness man what are you talking about no there's been student loan forgiveness let me let me give you an example so if you if you if you if you're a doctor and you go work in a rural area, then you no, no, that's different. That's that's their profession providing for their profession. Okay, I'm talking about a blanket, white oh, like a unilateral student loan forgiveness. Yes, no, yeah, that, that hasn't never happened. That hasn't been done. I agree. So, uh, man, let me see what the, <laughs> I guess. I don't have no fans today. Let's see what Antonio said. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, we can quibble over we can quibble over the fact that somebody graduated and somebody didn't. But when you open that door, guess what? They open a window and all the money goes out of the doors and windows and the people that need it don't get it. Because then we end up having this argument of, well, yeah, you should have graduated. And then guess what happens after that? Because it's a slippery slope. You then you begin to say, well, you should have graduated in two years from a two year institution and four years from a four year institution. You don't know the facts and circumstances of why or how somebody's degree program got extended or didn't. Good point. And you know what? To that, I can, I can, I can relate. I can, I can actually agree with that point. Uh, you, you, you show me a different side, and and, and that makes sense because you do. Because then it's just going to be one one additional criteria after another that's added onto it. So my question is, if that's the case. Then why don't we have student loan forgiveness, and why is it taking so long? If it's just a simple unilateral, deci- unilateral decision and policy that affects everybody, why is it so hard to do? It's not that it's hard to do. Nobody was really concerned about doing it until the last election cycle. There have been people in the black community and Hispanic community and other communities that are known to use student loans who have been asking for it as a form of, uh, you know, leveling the playing field, but it didn't become serious until it became a a political winner. Here's here's another side of this coin. To all the the individuals that have just done phenomenal and paid theirs off. Then this program is not for them. You've already achieved what, what this program is for. So how's that? In, I'm just look. I, I I know I'm staring the pot today. I do that sometimes. But how's that any different than what I was proposing with putting putting some conditions around it? I mean, because, because you don't you don't have somebody left out either way. Because it creates a false narrative. The name of what we're talking about is student loan forgiveness. If you paid off your loan, then there's nothing to forgive. I don't. I don't think the people that paid it off would see it that way. Well, I can't. I'm sorry. So I'm just saying. I where's that same passion for for the people that have paid it off? Where's that same passion? So I it's just. Not, it's not a lack of passion. It's it's more of a congratulations. This program didn't apply to you. Nah, I, I'm not. I'm not warm and fuzzy on it yet. I I, I think that uh, I am warm and fuzzy on a lot of the things you guys are saying. And I do agree with you on a lot of the things you're saying, but I, I, I am cautious. I'm cautious about just giving a blank check when it comes to student loans. Because to some degree, and it's gonna help a lot of people they rightfully deserve help? Yes. 
it's it's gonna also let some people off the hook that should have never got got any help in the first place. So, I, I that sounds that sounds like a horrible argument. That's just like that's just like people saying that uh, getting a stimulus check or getting too much stimulus money out there right now is a bad idea because some people won't spend it on what they want them to spend it on. So no, I'm not making that same argument. I yes, think you are. Because that's you're saying something got let off the hook. So what? At this point, the loans are due. So whatever the facts and circumstances, that's not for you to quibble over. Get the people the assistance. And for those, for the vast majority, they will use it the right way. For the ones who use it the wrong way, that's why you have law enforcement to do investigation. Okay. Okay. So, hey, I, I we, listen. Before it sounds like I'm just against it, I am not against it. I am all for people getting help with student loans because I think the student loan program and the way it's set up is very crippling, particularly to certain groups of students as they enter the workforce. I, I think it has been out for a long time. I think something needed to be done a long time. And I think there's no better time than right now to do something with student loans. I'm just trying to navigate and find a way. I'm not accusing you of not backing the program. What, where I take issue with your statement is this. You open the door for those who don't want any form of relief to have arguments that you just made against the program. But did I really make arguments against the program or did I make arguments against how the program is implemented? Yes, you did. That's more detrimental. Because what that does is it makes distinction without a reason to even need a distinction. Just get the money together, get it passed, and get it into the hands of those who need it. <laughs> let, me go to, let me go to some of these comments. Y'all are cracking me up. <laughs> Bird, I got you. Bird says, <laughs> he says, I know we're about to leave, but if everyone can get a stimulus check, then we can get reparations. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I think, if nothing else, guys, I think, you know, this answers the question why some people think Charles and I always agree on that. We, 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 we don't agree. We go toe-to-toe -to -toe on a lot of stuff to get to the, to the best possible answer. And, and there are times I convince him of a point of view. There are times he convinces me, hey, there are times today you guys are getting me to look at it from a broader perspective. And I appreciate that. And my goal of doing this is to say, through conversation, we can all get a clear picture because it's a broader picture and you have more more ideas and thoughts. So thank you for being honest. Thank you for the passion. I know sometimes I can be slanted. Um, always have that. Sometimes I can be a tad bit conservative in my approach. Um, but I welcome the lens of people that have a broader lens than me so that I can sharpen my view. And thank you for giving me that today. Well, that's the whole point of debate. Iron sharpens iron. You bring a you bring a viewpoint. I bring a viewpoint. The audience brings a viewpoint, and we talk about it. There it is. So you know that's probably why my camera went out today because, <laughs> yeah. because I was going to start some mess. Yeah, you get ready to start some mess. <laughs> so close it out, Charles. Take us to the house. Anything you want to share with us? Yeah, I think uh, again now is the time to stay vigilant. Uh, we talk about this. We've talked about it ever since the presidential election cycle on why we need engagement. These voter suppression laws are a great reason why we need uh, engagement, because we need to hold the politicians accountable. If you want to suppress the vote, if you want to block souls to the polls where black people go and vote on Sundays, if you want to cut back on voting locations, if you want to cut back on early voting, if you want to cut back on uh, mail voting, all the things that you put in place when you were winning, uh, if you want to do that, then it's time for us to, uh, you know, it's time for us to get in gear, get in formation, as Beyonce would say, and fight and fight to get what we need so that there are expanded voting rights and not restricted voting rights because the vote does not belong to a few. It is the bedrock of democracy and it belongs to us all. So stay engaged. There it is. You heard it. And thank you guys again for the great discussion, the fiery debate. That's what we're about. Real talk, real issues. And I love it. See you next Friday and go JSU Tigers. Let's make it happen.
Thanks for joining us. And remember, if you have an idea, a thought, a goal, and just don't know how to get started, hit us up at chatwithless.com and schedule a time that works for you. And we'll figure it out together.